Um, today is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, right? Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm losing track of time here. But it's officially the Christmas season. Um, after Thanksgiving, you are allowed to listen to Christmas music. If you were listening to it before Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure that's illegal, but I'm not going to tell. Don't worry about it. But yes, we're in the Christmas season. It's one of these times of year where we, uh, we celebrate these different traditions, and every family has their little traditions that they do during the Christmas season. You all got your, your, your Christmas traditions, right? Okay, well, one of ours is not very unique. We get a tree, right? A lot of people get a tree. Most, most Americans get a Christmas tree. And so our tradition has been that on the day after Thanksgiving... We drive out to Lynn Villa. Don't you love Lynn Villa? Isn't that fun? We go out to Lynn Villa, and we do the you know, thing where you can cut down your own tree. And so uh, that's our tradition. That's become our tradition, the Schaefer family. We go and we do that the day after Thanksgiving. But this year, we were thinking, well, well how are we going to do this? Because you know, we were expecting a baby, and we weren't sure what was going to happen. So we made a decision to change up our tradition a little bit. And we got our tree the Saturday before Thanksgiving. That's pretty darn early, all right? And it was like a warm weather day, and we were rolling up our sleeves, and it was warm. And so we're driving. And we, by the way, we were literally the first people to cut down a tree at Lynn Villa. So they didn't give us a medal or anything. Did someone clap for that? And that's unnecessary. <laughs> but we did that. So we're driving home with this tree and a roof rack, and we got some looks as we were driving back home. I mean, there are people who literally still have their Halloween stuff out, and we're driving back with a Christmas tree. But we wanted to get it done. We didn't know when baby was coming, so it's there. We waited until after Thanksgiving to decorate it, though. But that's become one of our traditions. You all have your little traditions, don't you? With your friends, with your family members, maybe with your coworkers, things that you do every, you know, every single year. You gotta do, it's not really Christmas until you watch this movie, until you do this thing, until you do this activity, these things that we do. Well, to some degree, the church is very similar to that. You know, when church, depending on which church you go to, or what denomination you're a part of, or Catholic, or Protestant, or what branch of Christianity, we all have these, these traditions we observe, not just around the holiday season, but these different times of celebration, these different uh, rituals, you could call that, different ceremonies that we observe. And for us, being a, um, a relatively new church, i got to stop calling us new, we're four and a half years old, but even at four and a half years old, we're still trying to figure out, well, what are our traditions what are the things that we do as a church? What are the rituals that we should observe as a church? What are these things? What are the ceremonies that we should participate in as a church? That's the thing. When you're brand new, when you're starting from zero, when there's no real like, lineage or history, when you're starting as a new church, you don't have to do like, anything. And so those of us who are a part of the church, we, you know, those of, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had an opportunity for you to make your, your membership official, those of you who are members of the church. You know, we we kind of have these ideas about what churches should do, right? And a lot of us were drawing from our own history. We're drawing from our past. And it's like, you know, when I was a kid, I went to a church and they did this thing. So should we do that thing? Or when I was, you know, a teenager, I went to this church or the last church I went to, we did this kind of activity. We observed this ceremony. We did that ritual. So should we do that? And that's, it's kind of like a fun thing, but it's a little bit difficult to kind of sort through. It's like, well, there's so many things that we could do, but what is it that we must do? That's the question. There's so many different things we could get involved in, so many programs, so many rituals, so many traditions, but what are the things that we must do? There's this saying that I, I don't know who, who came up with it, uh, so I can't give the person credit, but uh, maybe you've heard this. Good is the enemy of great. Have you heard that? Good is the enemy of great. And when it comes to churches, there are so many good things that we can do, and we can get so obsessed with doing good things and good things and good things. It's like, wait, 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 what about the great, one great thing that we're supposed to do? And so there are all these things, and it's like we're still sorting through, even at four and a half years old, what are our traditions? What are the rituals we observe? What are the things that we should do as a church? What are the things that we must do as a church? That's a, uh, a somewhat similar situation to what the very first church experienced, the very first church that we read about in the book of Acts, um, 
for about four weeks in a row, we were doing that series um, that we were calling Our Story. We just finished that a couple weeks back, but we were taking a look at that passage in Acts chapter 2 and learning about the very first church in Jerusalem. And you think about that very first church that was formed, that was made up of like 100% Jewish people, like probably 100% Jewish congregation, Jewish people made up that very first church. And the Jewish people, they have all these traditions So many, I mean, the Israelites, they had so many traditions that God had given them. Special holidays that they were supposed to observe, special, you know, whole sacrificial system that they were supposed to participate in, different seasons. Uh, Some things were annual, some things were like every seven years they observed certain holidays. And so there are all these traditions, all these rituals that the Israelites had observed, that the Jewish people had observed, but now we have a church. And it's like a group of people just kind of starting at zero, like, all right, well, now all that stuff is done. Jesus has come, and Jesus said, he preached this. He said, I've not come to, to abolish the law. I've not come to get rid of the law. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to complete it. And so here you have all these Jewish Christians who are looking around at each other saying, well, what is it that we do? <laughs> now that we're a church, what do we do? Do we still observe the, the sacrificial system where we bring an animal to be slaughtered? And the answer to that question was no. You know, God had told the Israelites in the Old Testament, you've got got to atone for your sins somehow. And God gave the Israelites this commandment. He said, and this is a weird thing for us, but this is just something God told the Israelites to do. You are a sinful people, Israelites. You need to atone for your sins. And so he had the Israelites bring animals to be slaughtered, innocent lambs to be slaughtered, and say, okay, you're going to see a blood sacrifice made on your behalf. And so this is one of the rituals that the Israelites, that the Jewish people had participated in, this sacrificial system, watching an innocent lamb without defect be slain in their place. Slain, that's a very bible word, slain. Who says that's slain? But yes, they watched this, they observed. That's one of the rituals that they observed. And so as they gathered around, I don't know if they had like a meeting, and said, like, what do we do? What do we do? Do we still do this? I don't know how that worked out, but no. The answer to that question was, no, we no longer do this. The reason that they no longer participated in that specific ritual is because Christ had come to fulfill the purpose of that ritual. One of the very first titles that Jesus has given, perhaps it's the first title He's given as He begins His ministry, He's called the Lamb of God. Have you heard that? That title for Jesus, Lamb of God. John the Baptist gave Him that title, called Him that, said, hey, look, it's the Lamb of God. Now, we've heard that term, we've, we've, you know, even if you don't know what it means, you've heard that before, but that was a very strange thing to be called. That was a very strange idea for John to throw out there, the Lamb of God. But the Israelites, they understood that to some degree when they heard that Jesus called the Lamb of God. They said, okay, we know about lambs. We know that lambs take on the punishment in our place. We know that we sacrifice lambs. We shed the blood of a lamb so that we can atone for our sins. But why would God, why would God need a lamb? God is perfect. Why would God need to sacrifice something? He's holy. He has no sin. And so Jesus was called the Lamb of God because He is God's sacrifice that He gave to us. He made the sacrifice for our behalf to atone for our sins. Not for, God doesn't have any sin. So He was giving us this Lamb sacrifice. And so the first church of people, you know, they had to sort through some of these rituals. And, and again, maybe these words are pretty fresh in your mind. I'm reading from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They had to sort out, what is it that we do now that we're a church? What are kind of the rituals that we observe? Do we observe any rituals? Do we have any ceremonies? Do we do anything? And one of the things that we see them doing is the breaking of bread. And when we see that terminology in Acts 2, that can mean 
You know, two things, basically, and I think it means both, <laughs> both of these two things. Breaking your bread simply could just mean sharing meals together, just sitting down, having a little bit of community together with one another. That was a very, well, it was a fairly intimate thing, if I could use that word intimate. It was a fairly intimate thing back in, the, in that custom to share a meal with somebody. That was a big deal, so to be breaking bread together. But also, this thing that we now call the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or communion, they were observing that ritual. And so at some point, again, I don't know how, we don't have all the details of how these conversations unfold, and then we see, like, Peter is basically the pastor of this, this church here, is the leader of this first church in Jerusalem, and he probably got a lot of questions from the, from the Jewish people. Do we still do this? Do we still do that? Do we still observe this ritual? Do we still observe that, that ritual? And one of the questions that probably came up along the way was, hey, what about the Passover? What about the Passover, Peter, John, you guys that were with Jesus? Should we still celebrate the Passover? The Passover was a big deal for the Israelites. Passover was a very special holiday, a very special time. That's a holiday God commanded them to observe. And in that holiday of the Passover, what they were remembering, they were remembering this time where the Israelites used to be slaves in Egypt. They used to be slaves, and through a series of miraculous, strange, wonderful events, God freed them from the slavery, from their slavery. And so what had happened, and, and you can go back and read the book of Exodus and, and learn more about this for yourself, this strange, wonderful, miraculous time, uh, this strange, wonderful series of things that God did. But one of the ways that God saved the people is he sent his angel of death to sweep through the Egyptian land. And so this was the last plague. Um, if you're familiar with the Ten Plagues, have you seen the, the movie, The Ten Commandments? Does anybody watch that anymore? This used to be on every year. Anyway. Uh, but it was the last plague, and so God sent his angel of death to sweep through the, Israel, uh, through the Egyptian community, and all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians died. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. That's when the Pharaoh said, fine, get out of here. You're free. Go, Israelites. Get out of here, Hebrew people. And so before this happened, what, the, what God commanded the Israelites to do is you need to take a lamb, an innocent lamb, slaughter that lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and paint it over your door. Strange thing. It's a strange thing. But that would be a sign to the angel of death to pass over, pass over the homes of the Israelites and spare them. And so this is a big event in their history, in the Jewish people's history, in the Israelites' history. And so they observed this festival called Passover where they would sit down together and share a meal together and remember how God saved them by the blood of the Lamb, how God freed them from slavery by the blood of the Lamb. In fact, the very last time that Jesus gathered and shared a meal with his disciples, they were celebrating that Passover meal. They were celebrating the Passover ritual, the Passover holiday. And so, and, and to this day, some Jewish people still observe the Passover or the Seder meal, and they have this time where they sit around, and there's some scripture passages that they recite, and there are some words that they recite. It's kind of like, the only thing I compare it to is kind of like when you go to a wedding, it's like basically you hear the same kind of thing, do you, do you, I do. You know, it's like that kind of a ritual. It comes to be kind of a scripted thing to some degree. And so they had this little script that they would follow and they observed the Passover meal together. And what the Israelites were doing is they were remembering how God saved them from slavery by the blood of the Lamb. Well, the very last time that Jesus and his disciples celebrated the Passover, Jesus, who was leading the celebration, he went off script. He changed it up a little bit. And so they sat down together, and he took the bread, and they had this thin bread that they used. It was a bread that couldn't be made with yeast, and it reminded them of how they had to hurry, and take their stuff, and flee quickly out of Egypt. And so he took that bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body that I'm breaking for you. You weren't supposed to say that. That wasn't the script. That wasn't in the script. Those weren't the words you were supposed to say. 
And so what Jesus was doing, he was changing this celebration, making it about something new. They were supposed to be remembering how they slaughtered a lamb. They were supposed to be remembering how they were leaving in haste. He said, no, 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 from now on, you're going to remember something different. When you gather together and break this bread, you're going to remember me breaking my body. This is my flesh that I'm giving to you. Take it and eat it. And don't remember the Passover anymore. This isn't remembrance of what God did back then. This isn't remembrance of me is what Jesus says. Do this now and remember me. Do this now and remember me. He took that cup, the cup of wine. And again, that was a very you know, visceral reminder of the blood of the lamb that was shed and the blood saved them. He said, this is my blood. Okay, once upon a time we celebrated this, we thought about the blood of the lamb. Now you're going to celebrate this and you're going to remember me. Take this and drink it, and remember me. And Jesus was saying what he was about to do. He was about to give his flesh, about to give his life, about to give his blood over to the cross, and he would die on that cross for everyone. And so he was saying, yes, you're still going to observe this ritual, but we're changing it. It's no longer about what God just did for one nation of people way back when. Now this is about what God is doing for all people, saving all of us, not just from slavery or some kind of human oppression, but saving all people from sin and from death. And so I imagine at some point in time, again, somebody came up to Peter or John and said, hey, do we still observe the Passover? And I said, well, no, but I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> we still kind of do. Yeah, the answer is kind of yes and no. We sort of do it, but, but Jesus changed it. And so they began this new ritual of, of gathering together and, and celebrating, not just the blood of the land that was shed and spread on the doors back in the days of the Egyptian slavery, but no, now they were celebrating what Jesus had done on the cross. It became a new ritual that they observed in the church. There wasn't a lot of them, but this was one of them, one of the new rituals that they observed. It's interesting, you look at this scripture passage that um, is in your bulletin. This is from 1 Corinthians. This is Paul writing. And you can see, even as the church is in its early days, look at some of the language that, that Paul uses here. He's saying, for, what I, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so that early in the life of the church, we'd already started to develop this new kind of script that was developing, this new ritual was, was developing. And we continue to observe this very ritual to this day. This morning... We, We Hope Community Church, all of you who are assembled here are welcome to participate in this ritual of the new covenant, the ritual of the new deal, this ritual that we call the Lord's Supper or communion. And what we're going to do today is everyone, everyone is welcome. As long as you've received Jesus as your Savior, if you believe he died on the cross for your sins, you are welcome to receive. If you're a member of this church, you can receive. If you're not, you're welcome to receive. Everyone is welcome to this metaphorical table, right? We're all welcome to receive, all of us who have received Jesus as our Savior. And so as we do this, the important thing is not just go through the motions. You know how many rituals can just become a thing that you do? Like, I don't know why we're doing this, but we're just kind of doing this, and it's a church thing, yada, yada, yada. No, 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 no. No, 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 There's no purpose in that. When we observe this ritual, we want to we be very mindful of what this is about. And so we remember Jesus. We remember what you have done for us. We remember that Jesus, he's, he gave up his body, he gave up his flesh, and he shed his blood for our benefit so that we could receive forgiveness of sins, so that we could receive eternal life. Let's take a moment to pray.
Lord Jesus, I ask that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to receive your communion. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us. We acknowledge that you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You paid a debt that we can never pay. And so, Father God, we thank you for that. And we look forward to celebrating this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.